Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. As always, you're back with your host Liam and Bill. We've got an exciting show for you today. It's the last one we'll put out before the season kicks off and last chance to lock in our Supercoach teams, Bill. Yeah, absolute last chance we got here. So we're recording this one on the Tuesday. We've probably got two days to tinker. That's like, you know, 100 different variations we'll each go through. But we have settled on some lineups that we think will be at least reasonably close to what we enter the season with. Yeah, I think I've changed my whole structure between the time we had dinner and the time we're doing the podcast. So don't know how many times it'll change before the end, but we'll talk through some pointers on general structure we think is important for this year a few rookies who we've got lined up at the moment and sort of run through the uh sort of point of difference and selection picks that we've got at the moment and sort of talk through some of the options that we're still tinkering with and looking at for our different structures so i want to sort of jump ahead here and start where i think the easiest line to discuss is your rucks um we've sort of discussed this before but from what we can see from what i can see at least there are three acceptable lineups those lineups are grundy Gorn, Grundy, Goldie, and Gorn, Goldie. Yeah, I tend to agree. I've I've tried a lot because this is a place where you can get the cash. And I was saying to you earlier that every time I need a bit of money and I'm sitting there with Grundy Gorn, I just drop one down to Goldie. And then I'm like, oh, I've got this money to play with now. And then I always move it around a bit and I look at it and I'm like, I really wish I had the two big dogs again. Yeah, I always just, I, I, I spend the cash. Then I make a few more changes and I find the cash back and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just upgrade Goldie. So at the moment, I'm running with Grundy and Gorn. Um, it might change, but at the moment, Grundy, Gorn, set and forget. At the moment, I'm running the same thing. Maybe it's better to talk about what do you think you see these three averaging? Do you still see Grundy being the top must-pick player of the lot? So I'm not too sure. Um, obviously, we've got Proust there in, in favor of Sorry, working against Gorn in the sense that he might get rested at some point. I know that's something you're quite worried about. But in terms of the games they actually play, I could easily see Gorn taking back the number one mantle off Grundy. I don't think Grundy's necessarily going to be number one. Um, I'm not really sure if I could see Goldstein matching either of the two of them, but I do think that's your top three. I think it's very unlikely that we see someone else um, finish in that third spot or higher. Is it that you think Gorn can get points more sort of in that floating role forward and back that he might sort of take that mantle off Grundy or is it just that he's done it more in the past? Why do you think that he might be the one to score more out of the two? Yeah, I mean, first of all, they're obviously quite close in their averages last year. were quite close together. They're priced relatively close together. So it's not like there's this huge gap there. And then I'm looking at the two. I just think Gorn has done it for a few seasons now. Grundy, obviously, younger. Um, You know, he's jumped from a 90 average to 130. So... Wouldn't be too surprised to see that drop back down, you know, maybe 115 or 120. Um, Also won't be surprised if he goes, you know, to another level. But yeah, I think Gorn's done it for longer at this stage. He's had a really good preseason, which is not really the same. Can't really be said for Grundy, who's had those toe issues, uh, whereas Gorn seems to be in really good shape. So yeah, it's it's really a pick But I think, you know, if you're looking for that extra cash, there's like not much difference between them, $16,000. But if you do want an extra $16,000 and you're not running... Uh, Gorn, then yeah, pretty easy switch between the two. So you're in the Gorn camp. I'm a bit in the Grundy camp myself. He was slightly higher in the averaging last year. He's, you know, somebody who's so young and could still lift even further. Obviously has the amazing midfield there to tap it down to now and somebody who can really cover the ground really well as that extra midfielder, which might suit him a lot this year with the wide open spaces. So I really like Grundy out of the pair, but I think we can both agree that Goldstein's someone who at least I can see averaging 110 potentially. He can, he can really lift. He'll be sole ruck all year, which is really important. The thing with Gorn that scares me a lot is 
if they've brought in Proust because he was really banged up in the finals last year, so they might take periodic games when he's a bit sore and just say, look, sit out, rest a week. We've got Proust, he can go in and Ruck will probably win anyway because we're a good team. And it just takes one or two of those games that Gorn sitting out for if we have no Ruck cover, which we might get to now talking a bit about the rookies, if we don't have anyone to cover, it just takes one or two zeros from Gorn to lose a 10, 20-point average on Goldstein. Yeah, it's a really important thing to consider, um, something that I hadn't really thought about in too much detail before today. And yeah, it might have me switching back and forth between Goldstein and the team there as the Thursday night approaches. Um, in terms of the rookies to cover, you've got Zach Clark there, I see, in your lineup. Uh, not really too sure that he's going to be playing, but I think you're confident. It depends. It all comes down to the watching closely when the teams drop. The thing that's sort of working in Clark's favor is this injury to Danaher where he might miss the next six weeks or so and they need an extra big to play out forward and they might look at the way Zach Clark played in the JLT and think, well, Bell Chambers is back in the ruck, but that's no reason why we can't play. An extra tall in Clark up forward, chopping out in the ruck could be his way to get into the team. Um it's really just because I see no other options potentially playing. Is there anyone else on the list that you think might get games, or is it pretty much just either Zach Clark if he plays? Otherwise, it's just straight down to bottom basement price. Yeah, I guess we've still got Darcy Ford in our back pockets. Obviously, didn't set the world on fire in JLT. Word is that he probably won't be the starting ruck in round one, but he might be. We don't know. You know, the Scott boys like to throw out a few selection changes here and there, so it might be one that we see a bit down the line. Um, Looking over the list of rucks, there wasn't really anyone else who jumped out at me. Um, Tom Fullerton from the Lions is priced at 102000 He might get a game at some stage in the year, but not as a ruckman. I imagine he'll be up forward. Not really a round one starter, though. So I think my advice to people will be, if you're so sure Grundy and Gorn will go back to that 130 when everyone else is not close, just select them. Just, just lock them in. You won't have to worry about it all year. But if you think some of them might miss games throughout the year, just be a little wary that we think we might not have much of that cover on the bench this year. So we'll move on from the rucks because, yeah, there's really not too much to discuss there. We'll move back to the defenders, I guess. Um, your lineup's probably a little more traditional maybe at this stage. Uh, mine's a bit quirky. <laughs> yeah, at the top end, you've definitely got some quirky picks there. So I'd like you to just run us through those primos or like close to primos that you got locked in that lineup. Yeah, so I've obviously gone through a lot of iterations of my team. Um, anyone who's listening to the podcast will know, you know, I've jumped with Lloyd, Laird. I've even had Shannon Hearn in there at times. So um, back and forth. But at the moment, I'm running with at D1 and D2, Jack Crisp from Collingwood and Harris Andrews from the Lions, two relatively left field selections, I guess. Yes, definitely left field selections because all the hype this year has been on kick-in boys. Everyone either has to be, you know, your top end midfielders or taking the kick-ins. These boys have been traditional good scorers for us, but not really the ones that I see in a lot of teams at the moment. Yeah. So obviously we had the big discussion about that kickers and how it might be very important this year. And, yeah, I do agree. Um, I'm a fan, though, of, you know, if you can pick a midfielder on any line, then pick them. So I've also had uh, Lockie Whitfield in my defense in many different iterations. Um, so it's sort of the thinking with Jack Chris there. Obviously, he plays off the halfback. He gets some time through the middle. Um, I do sort of consider him still to be largely a midfielder, and I think he's good value. And then Harris Andrews is probably the more left-field pick there. I'm pretty sure he's owned by less than 1% of teams. Um I've gone with him because I just think he's underpriced um, at $480,000. He's priced for the 88 average that he ended on last season. But uh, as we all know, at the end of the year there, his season was pretty much ended by Jeremy Cameron, uh, you know, coming through and cleaning him up. 
and a pretty dirty actor. Before that, his average was 96. So that immediately puts him into around about the top 10 defenders from last season. And then I think when we're looking at... Uh, we'll talk a bit later about how we've been judging players, but one thing that I tend to look for is people who are young, um, have that scope for improvement, and I think that's evident in Harris Andrews. Um, and then he backed that up. You know, I sort of had him in the back of my mind, and then he came out in the JLT and played pretty well, averaged, I think, again, about that 96 mark. So I'm looking at him as someone who's underpriced, and I didn't really want to spend a lot of cash down back. So, yeah, at the moment, locked him in at D2, and it's a hopefully a unique pick that works well for me. Something we need to keep in mind making these teams is that if you make the same team as everyone else, you're never going to be the one to jump up and get the prize. So having a point of difference in your team isn't a bad thing. Does it worry you that there was talk of him playing up forward in some of the JLT matches and some of the press conferences recently? Yeah, there has been a lot of talk this preseason about the fact that he'll be playing up forward. I think at the moment, that's not going to be the case, Um, particularly in round one against West Coast with the tolls they have down there. um, I think he'll be playing down back and then with the injuries that the Lions have had down back at the moment, um, Dizzy Gardner obviously out injured. Marcus Adams is not going to be back for a few rounds. I'm pretty certain that Andrews is going to find his way in the defensive 50 pretty much all the time. Um, if he does go up forward, he is a quite a good forward. So there is always the potential that he goes up there and can kick a few goals and score decently up there as well. So I've gone a little more traditional with my first pick with the Lloyd up there, number one, where we talked about his kick-ins that he's been taking and his scoring last year was just incredible. I just can't overlook him at that first price was one of the players like Dangerfield where I just looked in the line and was happy to pay for the top price player because I think that I can definitely see him being the top two or three scoring players in that line and I'm happy to front the cash. Is Lloyd someone you looked at during the year? Yeah, like I said, I've, I've been back and forth with Lloyd, Laird, Sicily, Hearn, etc. You know, a lot of chopping and changing in the defensive line. Um, often I'm trying to find cash and the defense is where I managed to make a few cuts to find that cash. So while Lloyd has been in many of my sides at the moment, just a bit too pricey for me. If we run through those, you know, top name defenders. Just we'll maybe go through them one by one and just give me whether you think that they're somebody who you'd condone starting or is a bit of a pick that doesn't very much excite you so we'll start at the top Lloyd do you like the pick or dislike it yeah I do I mean 75 in the JLT is maybe the only sort of mark against him at this stage but I'm pretty confident that he'll be in at the top six defender at least at the end of the year Sicily yeah Sicily a really interesting one I think like I mentioned just before I like the players who are a bit younger got that potential to improve so that's a plus for him um, Clarkson coming out and saying that he might be playing a bit up forward and then him actually playing up forward in the JLT one against uh, the Lions was Something that really put me off him and, and probably put the put the mark through him for me. I'm probably not going to select him on my side. 61 average through the JLT. Doesn't fill me with a heap of confidence. So, yeah, while I was initially kind of keen on him, he's one that I've sort of shied away from now and I'm pretty sure he won't be starting on my side. We'll go through some rest and we'll go through some more names maybe a little quickly and you can pick and choose who you want to talk about. We've got Laird, Whitfield, Simpson and Jeremy Howe sort of near the top lines. Are some of those yes and no's for you? Yeah, Laird, I think, obviously, he's got Smith there, but he's managed to put up some good JLT scores. I think if you want to start Laird, that's a safe one. Uh, Whitfield, like I just mentioned, I like pretty much a midfielder across any line. If you can grab a midfielder and place him somewhere else, that's great. So start with Lucky Whitfield if you like him. Uh, Simpson, he's getting a bit old for me. I'm sure he's going to drop off at some stage. Might not be this year, but I'm not picking him. Sorry, too old for me. And Jeremy Howe, I'm just a bit worried with injuries. Probably not going to make the starting lineup there. Simpson's a very interesting one because in that first JLT, Nick Newman sort of lit up the park for Carlton. And in second JLT, Simpson slid back in and sort of 
took over there where he went back to being the man down back where people were sort of wondering is Nick Newman going to be the end of Simpson I think we can sort of put that to bed he sort of came back in he was the man and sort of Newman's scores dropped back down do you think that'll be how it will go for the rest of the year or do you think they might start to sort of transition one player into the other I think you're going to see Simpson being the main man for the most part of the year Uh, they might try a few different people in that role Nick Newman as you mentioned but the main reason for me is He's just a bit too old to have on my side, to be honest. I'm sure he's going to score well. I'm sure he's going to finish up there with the defenders. Um, but, yeah, just not really a, a very exciting option at this stage for me. Let's talk a bit of value now. We've got a couple of players in our lineups that I noticed that were both picked in, Zach Williams and uh, Brody Smith. Are they two that you think are must-selects? Yeah, I'm not really sure about must-selects. Probably Brody Smith I've seen in pretty much everyone's side. Um, Zach Williams obviously coming back from injury is a bit of a worry, so if you want to give him a miss then yeah, I think feel free. But I think if you don't have Brody Smith, you're sort of running the risk because he probably is going to score quite well. Um, obviously, you need to take some risks to win this game. But yeah, he's one that I've locked in and he doesn't really find his way out of my side, especially now that Robertson's going to be out for the year. Yeah, Robertson was one that I think we all had locked in there. It's the cheapest of the lot. He was scoring super well in JLT, ripped up our intra club as we mentioned on the podcast earlier. So without him there, missing the whole season, uh, we have to look for other options. And as we said, Brody Smith had a fantastic JLT series. He scored 103 from 70% game time in the first JLT and 97 from 73%. I mean, if you're scaling that up to real game time, it should be averaging over the ton in those games. I don't really expect him to hit those numbers in the real season, but anything in the 90s, I think for him, will be a fantastic win at that price. Yeah, I'm just going to throw out two more names that um, I, I keep going back and forth here. They might end up in my side. I'm, I really just don't know whether I want to run uh, you know, maybe it's a more recognized premium like Chris, whether I want to try and find some more gems uh, in the rough. Two names that might find their way into my final team because the defense does change quite a lot are Wayne Malera and Callum Mills. I'm not sure whether I have the stones to start with either of them, but I definitely want to. Yeah, Callum Mills is one that I've seen creeping into more and more teams recently. Personally, it depends how I'm setting up my team. I just don't like looking at Mills next to Lloyd with Heaney up forward. You know, sometimes you need a few of these um, players in different teams if you think that they're going to break out to have both Heaney and Mills break out at the same time to huge averages you know probably one of them will fall a little more than the other um, Wayne Malera is a very interesting one for me just because he is in that back line with as we said Laird and he's with Smith we've had the Crouch brothers light up JLT and I think to myself surely there's not enough scoring left for him and then he comes out and he's putting up huge numbers going at 100% in some of these JLT games by foot, which is super coach gold. I mean, quotes coming out of his teammates at Adelaide saying that he might be the best halfback they've ever seen. He's got incredible skills and they just want to get the ball to him. It's all ticks of endorsement, but I just don't think that I'd be brave enough to start him in regular with the prices at and the other options around, but definitely someone who you and I have both looked at picking up in draft leagues and definitely somebody who has the potential to jump up this year to a top eight sort of a player. So just moving down to the next category, um, so we've both got sort of their two premiums there and then the, the two mid-prices, I guess, or you're running Williams at, at D2, I see. Yeah, um, I don't like it, but I'm running Darcy <laughs> Moore. I'm running Darcy Moore in that back position. Um, he's been floating around my defense and forward line just from his JLT. He's taking the kickouts, getting those points and seeming to you know, pump out 80s, 80s through, you know, 15 touches down back. 
if you sort of can score that at 230k that's just gonna make me a lot of money and i can't say no to that at the moment is that a pick that you just couldn't stomach oh i mean he's been in my side at times i normally have him up forward myself but um yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like Collingwood. I don't like Darcy Moore. And yeah, I don't think he's going to be on my side. Just a very interesting sort of a price range for these players. We might get to some more later that you've selected in your teams. But these low $200,000 players where you have to be very careful that if they're going to average just 60s, 70s, that's the sort of time where you need to be saving that money and going to a 120k rookie. But if they're able to average 85, 90s, this is the sort of player where it's probably worth spending that extra $80,000 or so from the rookie to get that extra points in the bank if you're playing for overall, very important, but also that quick price rise. I mean, we're talking about players that'll come up later, like, you know, your Gibbons, who we see pumping out 30s in their JLT matches. That's not going to make you quick cash the way that these sort of potential 80 averaging players can make. So I've got Darcy Moore in there thinking that, if he can stay down back, stay healthy, and score me 80 for six weeks, he'll have earned enough cash for me to get off him quick. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. There's just some players where you look at their name in your team and you're just like, I'm not so sure I like that. Yeah. Um, he's not in my team for that exact reason. <laughs> so looking at the rookies, uh, I see we've both got Jordan Clark back there. I imagine he's a lock in pretty much everyone's team. Uh, you've got Sam Collins. I have Xavier Dursma. Much of a muchness. I guess Collins probably with better job security there, perhaps worth spending the extra cash on. Yeah, I really like Collins. I think that he's, you know, trialed and tested in the, uh, you know, twos leagues. And he's shown that he can be an intercept king, which we know is points. I think there'll be lots of ball down there in the Gold Coast backline this year for him to score a lot. And I'm just happy to pay that extra, you know, $50,000 from a from a Dersma to get a player of Collins' caliber. But Dersma is one that I've seen in lots of teams. Already has been said that he'll play in round one. A couple of other players that I've got lining up there are Scrimshaw, who I quite like, even though I'm not quite sure how many games he'll play for Hawthorne, and also Marty Hoare from Melbourne, who hopefully gets an early look in. Looking at the midfielders now, mine's pretty traditional structure. I've had a few mid-prices in and out, but at the moment I've gone guns and rookies. I've got five guns, three rookies. Um, those guns in there at the moment are Cripps, Oliver, Neil, Matt Crouch, and Jack Steele. I've got very similar structure, but I've gone for the four primos and one mid-pricer. I've got Cripps and Oliver as well. I really like, of all the options there, I think that they're really safe, you know, 110 averaging players with the potential to go even higher. So I feel like the floor for those players are really high. I'm going with Nat Fife in that third spot. I feel like he's worth the risk for me that he could average 130, in my opinion. I just think he's so good, even though he's got the risk of missing games and all of that. He's the one that I've locked in the third spot, and then Matt Crouch as well I've got in the team. Yeah, so M5, I see you've got Tom Libertore. Um, I've got Jack Steele at the moment, so paying a little bit extra there. I'm hoping he can sort of jump up into that 105, 110 range. Uh, obviously from Libba, we're just hoping that he can play and make quite a lot of cash, averaging, you know, 100 or so. Yeah, even anything in the 90s for Liverpool will earn me some money. But as you said, he's someone who could average you in the hundreds, which I think is quite uh, exciting for that mid-pricer. I think it's quite a safe mid-pricer of all of the selections when we're looking at, you know, your miles and stuff around that price. If he's there just to make money, I think Lib is quite safe. Whereas Steele's a very interesting prospect because of all of these players around that price range, you've got your Steels, but then you go a little cheaper and you've got a few players like your Sheeds who are in a lot of teams, your, your Brad Crouches and these types of players. 
Here's one of the ones that we highlighted last week that's in sort of the average range, age range, amount of years played to really jump up into that high echelon of scoring. He could even be a keeper till, you know, very late in the year for you. Is that what you're sort of expecting? Yeah, that's the hope. So he ticks pretty much every box that we've sort of run through, like you mentioned with the age range, all that. Um, He's ticked the box in terms of my own sort of predictions that I do for each player's scores and then matching or, you know, roughly matching that prediction in the JLT, which is always a positive when you see, if you're predicting an increase in scores for a player, they come out in JLT and score that increase, then you can be relatively confident that you're on the right track, I hope at least. So Jack Steele seems like to me, he's sort of become that main man in St. Kilda's midfield. I think we can lock him in for a pretty good average and yeah, hopefully keep him for most of the year. Moving down to the rookies now, Sam Walsh, is he in your team at 200,000? Yeah, he is. I think he's in everyone's team. And just looking at our teams here, comparatively, we have the same rookies. So I think it's pretty common through the midfield. We've got Sam Walsh, Zach Butters, Charlie Constable. Yeah, I think that they should all be in everyone's team at the very bare minimum. I think this is where we're going to get our cash this year from these three players. There's a few on the bench that you could sort of slide in and out if, you know, if Butters 157 is a bit too expensive for your particular structures. Um, I think Scott from North Melbourne, Atkins from Geelong, as well as Gibbons from Carlton will all play a fair few games. Um, but in terms of the people I want on field, I think it's Constable, Butters and Walsh that I'd be quite happy starting. If you're starting at three or any two of the pair, I'd be quite comfortable with their scoring capacity. Moving on to the Fords and... Just looking at our teams side by side, I think we've been talking to each other a bit too much because they're looking pr- pretty similar once again. I'm uh, just going to run through this pretty quickly because five of these six starting positions are exactly oh, the wow. same. Uh, Dangerfield, Heaney, Dunkley, and then the two rookies on field, Setterfield and Drew. Yeah, I think at least the Dangerfield, Heaney, Setterfield, Drew will be pretty similar across the competitions, at least for teams who think that they've got a shot at going for the overall this year. I think that most people expect Setterfield and Drew to both score pretty well and have good job security, and Dangerfield and Heaney I've seen in pretty much every team that I've looked at. Yeah, obviously you've got to start with Dangerfield, um, no-brainer when he's up forward. Heaney we've talked about, he ticks pretty much all the boxes. We think he's going to be doing pretty well this season. I've seen teams sometimes running Drew or Setterfield one in the middle, so they have that dual position switch. But in my opinion, you've got some pretty good rookies in the middle. I think it makes sense to have both in the forward line. Now, let's talk about the other player we have. Josh Dunkley is somebody that you've always had in your team, and I've sort of come to the party late after a few comments that it's coming out of the coaching staff in the last week. He's someone that you can see averaging really high this year. Yeah, um, he's... Being in my team pretty much all preseason, he dropped out after I think I was JLT one, and then came back in after JLT two, and so on. Now he's he's got the firm lock on him now that Beveridge has come out and says he expects him to be playing in the middle quite a bit. Um, I think he can average, you know, I mean, obviously with Dangerfield up there, he's probably not going to get to the highest priced forward, but I think he can be that F two. Um, at this stage, I'd probably sooner take Heaney out of my side. It's a pretty big call. I think most people have locked in Heaney before Dunkley, but. Him playing in that midfield, he does have the capacity to average, you know, he won 10s this year as a forward. If he's there all year, I don't think that he will spend every game in the full midfield, but even if he plays a high percentage of them, with the way he ran home last year, he's a must-pick at this stage before he does get up to that 600, 650, you know, midfield-type price primo. Yeah, I think so too, and that's that's kind of why I've been chopping and changing, I think, the defenders so much, is because my forward line is so set. Um that F4 position we'll talk about in a minute, but 
that's probably the only one that I'm looking to move around um, at all, really. I've got those three premiums locked in, got the rookies locked in, and that just leaves F4. So we've got a pretty similar structure here, as we said, but this extra player that we have in both these positions is quite an interesting one. I've gone for the burn man, Jack Billings, everyone's least favorite supercoach player after last year. I think that everyone's playing a bit with their heart this year, looking at him and saying, I can't do that to myself again after they selected him at a much higher price tag last year for him to start scoring 50s and 60s. Um, But the way he came home averaging 90s um, for the second half of the year has really impressed me. He's a year further into his development, playing more up the ground this year, and I can really see him scoring high enough to be a keeper for me all year. Yeah, I think he's come out and done pretty well in the JLT too. Had a 90 average across the two games, uh, which is always sort of what you want to see. Price pretty low, and as you said, a lot of people felt burned by him last year. I've seen him creeping into a few teams, though, as as the season approaches. I think people are appreciating the value that he does represent um my own f4 is probably even more left field potentially the most left field selection that we've, we're going to go through so far um and one that i'm he might even only be in there at the moment because i'm disappointed i missed out on him in our draft league but uh it's lincoln mccarthy from the brisbane lions um it's also partially there because i just don't want darcy moore on my side <laughs> yeah definitely a similar price point to that darcy moore i can see you chopping and changing that side to side Tell me a bit about McCarthy, why he's in your team and where he's playing at the moment, how you think he'll score and sort of what you saw from him in JLT. Yeah, so I've watched both the Lions JLT games. I've watched them through twice each and, and Lincoln McCarthy's a player who really stood out. Um, so he's come across from Geelong in the in the last trade period um, and he's had a really bad run with injuries. So similar to Darcy Moore in that regard, obviously got the fingers crossed that they can get through this season. Um, one thing that is quite interesting is that if you talk to Geelong supporters, they all rate him really highly as a footballer. They say he's a really good, you know, he's a gun, he's a jet, he's got the skills, he just needs to be able to get on the park. Obviously, wasn't the case uh, down in Geelong. He's moved up to the Brisbane Lions and, uh, you know, a bit of luck and obviously some injury management. He's managed to get through his first ever full preseason, which is always a good sign. Um, yeah, he, he passes the eye test like spectacularly well in the JLT. If you watch those games, if anyone just goes back and watches even just the highlights, you'll see him running, chasing. Um, you know, when he gets the ball, he uses it well. He kicks goals. He tackles hard. Um, you know, he does all the things that you want to see from a player, and he does them well. Um, in terms of super coach relevance, um, it's a very it's a risky pick. Yeah, I think I wouldn't necessarily be recommending this pick to anyone. It has the you know, obviously the potential to derail your season when he comes out and scores forties or so, or gets injured in the first couple of rounds, as is, you know, potentially quite likely. Um, One of the positives about him is that he's come out in the JLT and put up a 90 average. So that's something that you can see. um, He's obviously got that scoring potential, um, playing off the half forward flank, getting a few minutes in the midfield as well, and knows how to find the goals to get those scores on the board. So when we're throwing up the Moore v. McCarthy situation, um, one thing in Moore's favor definitely is that he's the defender forward swing. So if Burgess was somebody that you wanted to select in your team, selecting them in opposite lines will open up the opportunities for you to sort of play a whole host of different uh, rookies, whichever one's sort of looking good for that week. And also when it comes time to trade them, sticking the one that you're keeping in the appropriate line, is that something that's sort of beneficial and you're seeing that's why Moore's being chosen in a lot of teams? Yeah, absolutely. It's beneficial. Um, You know, the, the dual position is highly rated for a reason. It offers that flexibility through the different lines. Um. Yeah, it comes down to two things for me. As to, well, three things probably as to why I've selected McCarthy. The first is that I'm a Lions supporter. Obviously, I want him to do well. And, um, you know, as much as we try not to let that bias our teams, obviously your F4 is Jack Billings. Mine is, <laughs> is Lincoln McCarthy. So 
we see that creeping in. Um, the second reason I've gone him over more is sort of just as a point of difference. Obviously, we mentioned our, our teams, you know, sort of merging into that relatively standard structure of guns and rookies, pretty stock standard players in most lines. So I do like to have a few left field selections, and I think Lincoln McCarthy over Darcy Moore is one of those selections where, you know, if Darcy Moore doesn't pay off, he's in a relatively high percentage of teams. If he doesn't pay off and, you know, Lincoln McCarthy does, that really puts me ahead. So sometimes you've got to risk it to get the biscuit. And, uh, yeah, Lincoln McCarthy is where I've sort of chosen to take that stand this year. When you're looking at your whole team, are there any headaches that you got at the moment where you keep on switching between a couple of players or a couple of different structures at the moment? Yeah, there are. So we mentioned the rucks, you know, Grundy, Gorn, drop one down to Goldie, free up some cash, splash the cash around your team, change your mind, have to cut people down, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the midfield's relatively stable. Jack Steele's a relatively recent addition. I've sort of decided to take that jump. I think he'll make it into the final side. Um, and then, as I mentioned, down back is where I do most of my chopping and changing these days. I'm trying to fit in Mills. I'm trying to fit in Malera. I'm second-guessing the Harris Andrews pick. I'm second-guessing the Jack Chris pick. I'm thinking, oh, no, I need Lloyd. I need Laird. So, yeah, down back, I think. Is that the same for you? For me, I think the main thing that I'm struggling with is that Jack Billings price player where I'm trying to figure out where I want to have my rookies on field. Where at the moment I've got two rookies in defense, two in forward and three in the midfield, which I'm quite happy with the structure. But I keep on looking at Jack Billings' price and being like, for that price in the midfield, I can have Brad Crouch. And when I look at the two in the potential scoring, I'm like, you know, I'd be crazy not to spend it on a player like, you know, your Brad Crouch, your Rockcliffs, your, your Sheeds, you know, these, these players in the middle who will probably outscore Billings, but structure-wise, it looks better having it the other way. And I'm sort of struggling flipping even that into defense and trying to get, you know, Ryan or somebody who could be a keeper down back and just trying to figure out where I want to have these rookies on field and if it's worth getting those extra points from, say, a midfielder at that price. Yeah, I think one thing it comes down to at the end of the day is, um, you know, speaking about ourselves and about anyone, you know, there's, what, 250,000-odd coaches who enter Supercoach. The chances of you winning are relatively low. Obviously, we're aiming to finish as high as possible, but at the end of the day, the, the name of the game is, you know, fun. That's why we're doing it. I think you just got to pick some unique picks and back them in at the end of the day. Obviously, if you want Jack Billings in your team, you lock him in. If you want to go risk you and take a Lincoln McCarthy, then do it. Maybe we'll move on here from our own teams. Um, we'll talk a bit about a few huge calls we have for the year. We'll talk a bit of super coach, maybe a bit of the upcoming rounds and what we see happening, but mainly just get ourselves on tape, making some huge outrageous mm. calls, which if anyone followed the podcast last year, we did not so much for super coach, but just for regular AFL. And we had a couple of big hits and a couple of big misses each. And it's just quite a bit of a fun thing we like to do on the podcast. We've yeah, definitely had some in the past that we like to replay to each other and a few that we'd rather forget. Yeah, so we haven't really even thought about this. This is mostly off the cuff, um, big calls. Um, the first one for me is is uh, Harris Andrews. Obviously, spoke at length in this podcast about how I think he's underpriced, he's undervalued in terms of his average uh, due to that injury game. So my first call here is that Harris Andrews, I'm not really sure what the exact specific of the call. It's going to be that Harris Andrews will average above 100, I think. Uh, this season, or at least very, very close to 100 average, and will finish the year as a top six to eight-ish defender. 
It's a pretty good call. Obviously, having these big calls in your team, we were talking about this a bit before we started about all these big calls we wanted to make, but we hadn't backed in the players. So it's good to see this one in your side. Um, definitely one that could happen. I remember last year, there was a few people scrambling to get Harris Andrews into their team and did so just before he got a big KO'd. So potentially, if he plays the full year, I can see that happening. I think with my first one, I better lock in somebody in my team as well. It's Jack Billings to be the top six forward by the end of the year. What do you make of that? Yeah, I don't like it. It's a huge, <laughs> it's a huge call. We've had this discussion before. You told me he was going to be a top six forward. Um, you know, he's he, before he's averaged a 92 year. And I said, I sort of said, okay, he gets back to his best. He's averaging 92. That puts him as a top 15 forward. So he's still got to find another eight or so maybe i'm not really exactly sure but eight ish points to get into that top six he could do it he could right, do it right. let me give you another uh big call that i can maybe sub that out for jack billings to average 130 over the first few weeks and people will scramble to get him in before he falls back down to his regular scoring capacity <laughs> yeah i haven't looked at the saints early fixture but i mean he has the potential we know he can score those games you know of 120 130 um sort of it's dependent on him, you know, sort of racking up 20-odd touches and kicking a few goals. Uh, whether he gets the opportunity to do that, I'm not too confident. Billings is definitely a talented player. He's probably one of the few players in the competition. You can probably count them on your fingers of players who have got five goals and 30 touches in one match. So, I don't know, you're talking about your Dane Beans, Gary Ablett-style players who are sort of in that um, frame of potential. So I think that he is somebody who can definitely rise above when he's moving into the midfield and sort of lift that average to a, to a very high number. And, you know, you've just got to back your boys in these big calls, and uh, he's my boy. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good call. Um, don't know how likely this happened, but I like it. Um, we're just going to go off the cuff here because yeah. I, I don't really know about some huge calls. I've been telling you that St. Kilda are going to lose round one to Gold Coast for quite a while. So that I, I, that's a pretty huge call. The Gold Coast are the uh, the longest odds of all the matches this weekend. Um, I made this call to Liam a long time ago now. <laughs> and uh, as the season grows closer, it looks more and more likely because, you know, obviously we've got a few Saints going down with injury, um, different concerns here and there. So the Saints team slowly getting weaker. The Suns had a Pretty decent preseason. They've got through. Obviously, lost Isaac Rankine to injury hurts their chances. But you know they played pretty well in the JLT. They look pretty good. Um, yeah, I remember when you made that call to me at the time. I was like, no nah, man, like listing all the players that they lost like from last season. And now I look at Saints injury list and it almost looks worse. Like looking at you know your Stephen and Carlisle and you know Paddy McCartan, Robertson, all these players that won't be playing for the Saints. So it's definitely creeping closer. Um, yeah, the odds are coming in. Yeah, coming <laughs> in. Um, God, I hope not. But, and uh, uh, yeah, the second sort of reason I've gone for that call um, is that Gold Coast tend to start fast. I think they come out of the you know, they come out of the gates, they win three-ish games in the first seven or eight, they look all right, and then they drop off the, uh, you know, edge of the world there. So, I, I think they're a fast starting side and they're a chance to knock you boys off in round one. And, yeah, I think we've got them in round five or so, and that's not really a sure thing either in my eyes. I'll uh, back up your huge call with another one where if St. Kilda does manage to get over Gold Coast round one, if they can't beat us, they can't beat anyone. They'll just go the whole year. They'll just drop their heads. How do we lose to a half... Half-team St. Kilda and just uh, zero wins for the year. Yeah, we've had this discussion a long <laughs> time as well. I can't see, like, they're probably, you know, the worst or second worst list in the competition, but I just don't see them going winless across 22 games. It's a long time. Obviously, we didn't see the Melbourne teams of late, um, the Carlton teams of late go winless. Um, I don't think it's happened since the 
60s <laughs> or something. So it's it's quite a big call. Um, it, it could happen, but... Because they're playing 22 games, so imagine their odds being greater than 1 in 22. In a, like, AFL's meant to be short odds. You never see them higher than, you know, well, $5. So theoretically, in every, you know, four or five matches, they should be getting a win. So it is a big call, but, you know, someone's got to do it if it's ever to be done again. Yeah, well, we didn't even see the and VFL plus a few stars team um, go through. They managed to win two games, so... I think they'll pick up a game here or there, and yeah, I think maybe they'll pick up a game in round one. So we'll see what happens with Gold Coast this season. All right, let's do some head-to-head sort of super coach predictions. Give me your rookie price player who you think will be the highest averaging money maker for us this year. Highest averaging money maker, so highest average. Yeah, highest average is the one. I think, that's, okay, is going to be the one that's going to make us all the cash. Sam Walsh. It's not a huge call, but yeah, he looks the uh, the most accomplished at this stage. But in terms of making the most cash um it's an interesting question i i'm really not sure charlie constable perhaps i mean you've got to be starting from a low base when you're talking about making the most cash don't you yeah yeah i I might lock in a a bit of a left field one here will setterfield really impressed me in the jlt someone up forward who i was quite happy slotting in there for a starting position he sort of got that bigger frame someone who i expect to play every game there for for carlton I'm, I'm quite happy with him in my team and i could easily see him being the one that we look back on this year and think wow how do we get that you know 80 averaging uh sort of a player making us cash from the start of the year yeah i could definitely see it um william drew up there up forward as well i could definitely see him doing pretty well as far as the averages go um you know sort of just comes back to if there's a midfield or in any other line then they're probably a good pick Alright, pick one of your boys for me, Supercoach boys, and give me someone you expect for them to average higher than. So you can tell me, you know, I expect, you know, Libba to average more than Trelaw, or, you know, give me a big call in terms of one of your boys and give me a player benchmark for how big you they're going to score. You want a big call? Yeah, big call. Lincoln McCarthy no to average Lincoln higher McCarthy. than Jack Phillips. <laughs> no more Lincoln McCarthy. Give me I a mean, proper boy. Yeah, alright. Um... Well, I mean, it probably comes back to Harris Andrews then. I, th- I think he's going to finish in the top six or so defenders, so I could see him overtaking a few of the names back there that are quite highly uh, touted to maybe maybe even your Cade Simpsons, but you know, probably Shannon Hearn or someone I could see him averaging higher then. Um, uh, yeah, I, I genuinely think he'll be in the top six to eight defenders at the end of the year, so that means he's going to overtake some pretty good names. Back to structure now. We're both sitting there with that sort of two rookie down back, two down forward, and three in the midfield. Is this somewhere where you'd sort of recommend to people start with that sort of a structure with your rookies and then try and fill out your money in between with the players that you like and if you have to sort of switch one here and there, but it's it should this year sort of fall that way that we don't have sort of one line with all these rookies that we have to play? I've seen three down back and three out forward and insides that still look quite impressive, um, but I think it all comes down to which rookies are named and then which rookies you see having job security, so looking at who's still to come back into those sides and like for anyone who's really taking this game seriously i think when the names are announced when the teams are out you kind of just have to rebuild your team from the bottom up start with the rookies lock them in and then see what you can do with the players that you wanted to bring in um obviously we're doing our best to to get those spots right now but once the teams come out everything changes obviously round one is one of the most exciting times for your supercoach team do you think that first match lock in someone like a Crips with the vice captain you got to line up someone off that first game to sit back and watch it and uh, be cheering for one of you guys yeah it might not be the best strategy because 
obviously you've got the next night, you've got Dangerfield and, and you've got Grundy in the next game on the Friday. So it probably may be a bit smarter to lock in one of them and then have someone else, Max Gorn or whoever, as, or McRae if he's in your side, um, as the potential captain choice. But that said, I have the V on Paddy Cripps. I want to watch someone on the Thursday night um, and I want to watch them go big. So... Yeah, vice-captain on Patrick Cripps. Hopefully he goes huge and then I don't have to worry about captaincy for the week. I can see he's also your vice-captain. <laughs> yeah, I'm locking him at the moment. I like to have, as you said, in one of those first two games, I can sit down and watch and have a vice-captain um, there to look at. While we're talking captains, are you somebody who likes to utilize a loophole? And if we had sort of a structure of rookies on the bench where we could have them all playing, even in the ruck, would you be somebody who needs to set aside a player for your loophole option, or would you always pick your players who you think are going to play in those rookies? So at the moment, I have a ruck loophole. Um, Patrick Bynes, I think it's Patrick. Someone, you know, whoever, doesn't matter. Someone from <laughs> West Coast. Um, he's probably in a lot of teams. But... Just the dude with the best name, he'll never play. Yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's got dual position, so it may as well throw him in there, but... Yeah, I've got the loophole sitting there at the moment. Uh, again, once the team comes out, everything changes. But I do like a loophole. Some years I've run without one. Um, obviously, you're risking some injury cover there. Perhaps Gibbons, you know, he's not looking too great maybe at M11. So that could potentially be a loophole if you want to go there. You obviously sub him out for someone else at that price um, who's not going to get a game. I think the option is good to have, to have that loophole option um, for the reasons we stated, obviously, about having someone play and then shift the captain in if you feel like they're they're not put up a high enough score. I think with the rookies that I'm looking at on my bench this year, it's not like other years when I'm looking at them and being like, yeah, these players should play every week. I'm looking at, you know, your Petrocellis and, you know, as you said, your Gibbons, even players like Scrimshaw, Hoare, um, Scott and Atkins. I'm not 100% sure that they'll be in there all year. So maybe this is one of the years where if you do have the options of people who are playing around one that probably most weeks you'll get a loophole out of one of these sort of a players. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. Um, and if Zach Clark is named in round one, there's obviously that temptation to shuffle some cash around and, and bring him in. And that's definitely something I'll be looking at once those teams are named. So yeah, I think we've got a relatively weak batch of rookies this year. We don't have, you know, there's no Tim Kelly there's no, I mean, going gears back now, but there's no Dane Zorko. There's no someone who's coming in mature age that we just we just know that they're just going to kill it. Like, they're just going to come out, they're going to put up 80 to 90 every single week, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Like, it's, it doesn't look like that this year. We'll move on from our own teams now and maybe talk about a bit of a, a fun team that we've put together as a Science of Footy Supercoach team. We've had a go at making one that we think will be a, sort of a value team, a bit of a mid-price madness team. Do you want to walk the uh, people at home through sort of what parameters we looked at for choosing the team and sort of what we did for making it? Yeah, we'll talk about what we did to make the team. Um, as regards to the parameters, I'm not sure whether we're going to release that on this just yet. We've... Uh, We've got a few things feeding in there and we, we plan to update it as it goes on so we get a bit more information. But in terms of what we've actually done with the team, um, we've gone for a bit of a mid-price madness here, trying to extract maximum value out of out of players who are you know potentially ready to break out, who've had an injury or dropped in price for some other reason, and trying to fill up the team so that it you know sort of jumps out of the gates, scoring pretty well. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully the idea is that the cash that they generate will be you know, somewhat self-sustainable in terms of upgrading to those premiums that the side currently lacks. Um, it's a bold strategy, not really one that would recommend if this is your only team, but um, you know, it's something that's interesting to watch and it lets you run a few players that you wouldn't normally get to run in your Supercoach sides. 
So this is using a sort of price to points sort of a model where um, you've said that you've seen it used in sort of other scientific uh, means where effectively it's looking at the price of each player and their potential point outputs and then sort of ranking them in a manner of which ones are the best value for money effectively is how we're choosing this team. Um, you've seen this used in other biology fields. It's a pretty common. I mean, it comes up in like economic fields, etc. but it's a pretty common thing in, in conservation biology in terms of um, selecting areas of land or, or what be it that has a price attached and a value attached. Um, it's a pretty common problem across a lot of fields. You essentially just have something with a value, it has a price, and then you have a budget. Yeah. And so that's essentially what Supercoach is um, at the heart of it. Obviously, there's a bit more complexity in terms of picking a certain set number of guns and rookies and, and all that. But in terms of just the actual problem of trying to maximize value, um, that sort of results obviously in a mid-price madness team. And yeah, it's quite fun to have a few different names in there. And just looking at the side now, there's definitely a few different names in it. Obviously, running the mid-price madness, it lets you have more non-rookies on field. So in this particular iteration that we've made, we do only have the three rookies that we've lined up, the three potentially highest scoring in each line with the Sam Collins, Sam Walsh, and Will Setterfield. So sort of the big dogs of the rookies there on field, the ones that we think will actually score highly. And then all the other players we've got lining up have played senior footy in previous seasons and, as we said, are potentially underpriced for what they're able to put out. Yeah, one of the interesting things of looking at this team is, is how much it shares in common with our own side. So I think we've been influenced by the computer a bit much here, but we'll start off with a few of the things that we did at the very start we selected. Um, we need some captain choices, yeah? So you need a captain choice and you can't really find a workaround that you need someone who's going to score quite well and you can be pretty sure of. Um, we wanted to go with someone. We saw Patrick Dangerfield as, as a good value, like just really good value for his price. Um, obviously, being able to select him as a Ford now. So we locked in Patty Dangerfield. We locked in Brody Grundy, and then we also sort of thought the ruck is not really a sort of position where you want to play around too much in terms of trying to find value, so we went for Todd Goldstein. I think he's a bit better value-wise than Gorn, even if he doesn't necessarily outscore him uh, directly. And from there, we just tried to start picking value picks. Uh, so pick people that are underpriced because they've been injured, because they are not yet you know, just on that cusp of breakout, uh, because they're young. Um, a few different things that went into this uh, in terms of why these players ended up in the team. Um, should we start from the back line? Yeah, we'll start from the back line. And um, a few players that we have here we've got in our regular teams. Obviously, Zach Williams and Brody Smith came out of this algorithm as well as underpriced uh, for players who have previously scored high but are underpriced from those injuries last year. I think we would see them in most mid-price madness teams. Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, there's a few people out there trying the mid-price madness. And I think these will be not only in those sides but in a lot of regular sides, obviously, Smith and Williams in, in both of our sides there. It's also selected Harris Andrews, so I wasn't too surprised by this. Obviously, having a look through in terms of his injury last year, his average pre-injury, his age, and a few other factors, he just he seems like good value to me, and it's always good to see the computer confirm that. Um, the D3 and D4 spots are quite interesting, though. Yeah, Basha Hooley, so he's somebody who had that high injury, uh, high average in previous years and also last year had some injury-affected gains, which when taken out, boosted his average a bit, so he is seen as underpriced by this. And also Aaron Francis, a very interesting one, obviously averaged high in the 80s off only a few games last year, so the algorithm saying that he's underpriced this year from what they saw him do last year. Yeah, it's an interesting sort of style there too. You've got Basha Hooley, someone who's 
put the scores on the board before and then Aaron Francis who hasn't necessarily done that but it's predicting that he will do it this season so they're not going to be in too many sides and the first point of differences in this team um, it's got quite a few shifting into the midfield um, it's not your traditional setup here in terms of having your high scoring premiums obviously there's no Clayton Olivers there's no Jack McRae's there's no Paddy Cripps in this side yeah, obviously it's picking sort of value under price players, so those people valued very high. You're not going to see many of those in this team. Starts with a couple of your boys that are in your regular team, Matt Crouch and Jack Steele, both coming in as underpriced, obviously both very young and potentially undervalued for what they can put out this year. Yeah, obviously Matt Crouch is in a lot of sides, a very popular pick at this point. And Jack Steele's not necessarily in a lot of sides, but I've seen a lot of discussion about him. Um, you know, sort of one that a lot of people I think want to pick, but don't really want to pick at the end of the day um the next one on the list tim taranto same sort of boat i think he's you know in that sort of category where everyone's sort of looking at him going oh well is this the year for him this is probably the year for him but i'm not going to pick him but you know the computer has all the stones in the world so it's just gone ahead and said (laughs) tim taranto at m3 and then m4 to m7 it's just mid-price madness i'm sure most people could probably guess who the next four players are Yeah, and I sort of like looking at them all in one team because we've all sort of looked at these players and been like, ooh, like, imagine if he went to this score and then you look at all four of them and you're like, imagine if they all go to that score. So running Brad Crouch, Tom Rockcliffe, Domsheed and Liver looks pretty nice when you got them all together, I think. Yeah, it looks nice until round one comes around and then they don't do it. But yeah, I mean, obviously the theory here is is picking valuable players and Brad Crouch, Tom Rockcliffe, Tom Sheed, Tom Libertore, all very capable of averaging 100-plus uh, this season should they stay on the park uh, for various reasons. You know, you can see what it's going for here in terms of if it all happens to pay off, obviously a lot of luck involved, then it's really ahead of the curve in terms of what it's had to spend to get those uh, scores on the board. Yeah, it's a very interesting midfield there. Um, obviously, players there for different reasons. People who are coming back from injury have scored high before. And then you got Sheed, who sort of had that strong end to last year, strong JLT in that sort of age bracket where he should be breaking out. So interesting to see the uh, algorithm coming out with a few different players there and a few that we see in a lot of different teams. And so then up forward, we mentioned that we started with Patrick Dangerfield, locked him in before we even started looking at a few things here. Um, it's pretty interesting, though, the, the next names off the list. Josh Dunkley, Jack Billings. So that's uh, probably good news there in terms of confirming what we were already suspecting. I also see uh, McCarthy's name coming up the bottom there. McCarthy, yeah, sitting at F5. So that's a a good thing. You know, obviously, um, yeah, the the computer thinks there's value there too. And uh, yeah, it's nice to see that, you know, great minds thinking alike there. Having McCarthy in your side, I think is a good idea. He's at F5 for the machine. Uh, It has an interesting F4. I didn't expect this one to pop up. It's someone that I looked at in my draft leagues like, oh, I've got to get this guy. He's going to be great value. But good to see the computer coming out with Jack Nunes, another St. Kilda player. I think he had four years or so in a row of around that 85 average in the midfield before last year he went up forward. I think he also had injury interrupted games there, keeping that average very low. So his price around that 300 mark for somebody who could average, you know, 85s up forward is pretty good value. Yeah, I think so. And there were a few other names that were also in that mid-price list that that it had um, when it generated it. It liked a few others up for it. Obviously, Toby Green, uh, I think, was selected quite highly, but we actually manually took him out because we weren't really sure that he's 100% ready and and fit for round one. 
Um, it also threw up two interesting names that I've very much enjoyed seeing. It had Luke Delhouse, uh, three names actually. It had Luke Delhouse, it had Reese Matheson, and Tom Papley. They're very interesting picks. Yeah, Dalhouse obviously has runs on the board from previous seasons, which is helping him sort of get in to that range there. Um, the other ones from sort of being in that age bracket for breakouts and have some scoring history of big games and JLT form behind them. Papley's an interesting one because of his move to the midfield in the previous offseason, so I could definitely see him being a riser, but definitely... What I've gotten from this is that this algorithm has been able to pick underpriced players for a lot of different reasons. And yeah, while you look at some of these picks like Jack Nunes and think that they're not necessarily somebody that you'd choose, you just have to think of it just takes a few sort of good games in a row for that 300k player to rise to a 450 up forward and then you might be sideways trading him to a you know a fallen premium in a few weeks and just using that one trade from that middle price bracket. Yeah, so it'll be interesting Really interesting to see how this side goes. My suspicion is that it'll crash and burn pretty quickly. I think it's going to rack up quite a few injuries quite quickly. I think it's not going to have the uh, capability to deal with it. Obviously, it won't be making its own trades. We'll be doing that for it. So, um, not really sure how it's going to go when half of its team goes down in the first three rounds. But it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and it's also interesting, obviously... Throughout the year, we'll have a bit of a think of how we've made this algorithm and how we can improve it to maybe get the algorithm to think a little more for us on which sort of lines to stack with a few um, higher price players, you know, your super premiums and which ones to, to find that value in might be an interesting thing. And another thing that we'll think of during the year is a better way to determine whether we're trying to sideways trade these guys to a fallen premium or if we're going to pick points to one up, one down them, you know, send one for a huge cash grab and then pushing another one to a premium player. Um, all of these sort of factors that at the moment are in this human control that we might be able to think of a few uh, more logical ways to determine how we're going to deal with the team might be a really good trial run for hopefully next year to be a uh, real force in this uh, computer made team yeah it's a five-year plan uh, <laughs> five-year plan for straight out of terry wallace uh, the computer's going to win supercoach within five years but now we'll see how it goes it'll be really interesting to watch throughout the season obviously track alongside ourselves uh, we'll see how it rises and falls in the rankings compared to our own teams so we'll keep you all updated on twitter in that regard um yeah hopefully we can beat the machine i'm pretty confident but who knows it'll be interesting to see whether it starts off strong and then crashes and burns or whether it's a slow burn and it really hits its straps late season when it has more cash to play with than we do i'm not really sure how that's going to go yeah, at Science of Footy. Anyone who wants to find it on Twitter will tweet out the team. As you said, if it finishes higher than me, we will stop the podcast and the computer will run the podcast next year rather than us. Uh, but it's just a bit of fun. I think definitely the parameters we've done, selecting you know your danger fields in the team, uh, will help it out with some captain choices. And I'll just be interested to see if it is the year where a few of these sort of mid-price madness players hits. We might see Science of Footy team up there near the top. Yeah, best of luck to the Science of Footy team for this year. Uh, if you do want to see how it's going, directly track against it and compete with it. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter with your league code and we'll add it in there. And uh, yeah, you can watch it slowly take over your league one game at a time. But yeah, no, a bit of fun and uh, hopefully it goes all right this year. All right, guys, that's all for this week. We'll be coming at you with some podcasts, obviously, after round one to see how everything's going. Um, if you're listening to the podcast and enjoying it, give it a five-star review, give us some comments in there, and uh, recommend it to some friends, and we'll uh, see you next week on the Science of Footy podcast. Mm-hmm.